Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast from me, British host Peter Pratt. Do not forget to follow me on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. And guys, it is time. There are tons of topics and takes need to be made. Takes need to be made and it is time. Kenny is in the house joining me on Locked On Marlins. Takes were made. Kenny, how are we doing, brother? We're doing well, brother. All, all of us are doing the same thing, waiting for this lockout to end, praying every day. I told you before, we had a little chit-chat before we started recording, and I've, I told you, it's at first it started out me just kind of angry, I want this to get resolved, and now it's it's dragged on enough where it's actually like making me sad every time I think that baseball's not coming back anytime soon, mm-hmm. because this is around the time of the year where we're tweeting out videos from behind chain link fences of people warming up, and, 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 and we just start saying, oh yeah, we're winning the World Series just based off these videos, so it's... I need that. I need that back really badly. It's starting to affect me. I really do too. I'm I'm the same as you, mate. I, I need the content coming back. I need those chain fences in my sights. Yes, and, yes. The, I mean, the videos from Joe Frasaro of 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 like a, 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 an eighth reliever warming up with a fourth string catcher, and it's like, yes, we're back. We are back. Who? I mean, no idea who the fourth string catcher is this <laughs> year. That's, I mean, <laughs> I would say Alex Jackson. Alex Jackson's my fourth string catcher, if you're asking me. There we go. I, first bomb. First ball of the day. Yeah, oh my God. It would be what Stallings, Nick Fortes, Peyton Henry, and then Alex Jackson. Keep him far away from my team, please. Well, there we go. I actually saw, and I'm, I'm going to ask you an opinion on this, but I did see that he was one of the most impacted players last season by the shift. Alex Jackson, oh, yeah. would you believe? So, yeah, there's gonna, I started thinking about the shift and, and how. At first, I was kind of against the banning of the shift because obviously it's easy as a fan to just say, like, Oh, just hit it the other way. But it's not that easy to just get a 102 from DeGrom and say, oh, let me take this high and in pitch to right field. You know, like that's not easy. But uh, I started thinking, I was like, man, Kyle Schwarber, if we got him with a band shift, you're talking about like one of the better left-handed hitters in all of baseball. Because what's the, what's the, the rule for the shift? It's, it's, you can still shift your players, but you can't have more than two players on either side of second base. I think that's like what they mean. So the shortstop can still shade over towards around second base, but that's nowhere near the same as having like four people and your left fielder like all hugging on the right side of the field. I'm with you. <clears throat> Schwab has been mentioned a couple of times on a few of the pods with various other guests. I think there's... I think there's a buzz around him. I think the fit is nice. I think the money and the ask yeah. aligns to maybe where the Marlins budget sits. So it totally yeah. wouldn't shock me if like, you know, two days after the lockout, Schwarber signs with the Marlins, three, yeah. four year deal, you know, 60 million. Let's just roll. Let's just get it's, it going. To me, to me, the the hope is, and, and shout out my good friend Jason on Twitter, his at is like Eck in office or something. He always has a weird tag, but whatever. Uh, you know, and he says it best. Like it would be nice for a blend of both things to happen for the Marlins, right? Like signing Schwarber because it seems like he's they've been involved enough where it seems like he's in their price range, and then making a blockbuster trade for a guy like Cattell Marte and Brian Reynolds. If they did both of those things, there's no doubt, like in in our minds and then in the national media's minds, that we would be a legitimate playoff contender with an outfield of like Jesus, not even Avisayo Garcia, Jesus Sanchez and Brian Reynolds or Cattell Marte and Kyle Schwarber at DH and mm-hmm. all the things you can do with that. Obviously someone of the Aguilar Cooper, Lewin Diaz would have to probably be moved or something along those lines, but I'm willing to cross that bridge when we get there if we're getting, <laughs> yeah. Like if we, if, if it's, it's worth, sometimes you got to pay a, pay a price to, you know, you can move a guy like Cooper or Aguilar for a really, really good reliever. I'd have to guess. So there's a lot of ways they could go about this. It really is. There's a lot to be excited about, I think. We're on the thing was the activity pre lockout was just 
so overwhelmingly positive for me and yes. it was clear that the they weren't done and i i just it is that's what's paining me is sitting here for these you know months now doing daily pods on the marlin knowing that we're about to shock the world with some some yes. big moves and they just can't yes. make them <laughs> they, can't. <laughs> they they gave you a daily podcast on the marlins and then they locked you out of baseball pete that, that was that was unfair <laughs> it, was, it was really unfair i'm, I'm not yeah. gonna lie it's, it's been tough <laughs> yeah but it, it's true before the lockout it, it felt like we were one of those big because we had the most active like free agency trading period of any team really mm. before the lockout started and it, it felt like 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 a holiday like it was a gift every day because i would wake up and i was like man i wonder who we're gonna get today and yeah. day one was garcia then the next day was stallings then the next day was uh joey wendell and it was like are we really gonna do this we're just gonna get a new good player every day until the lockout starts and then the lockout hit <laughs> there you go i mean i loved all the business i loved it i mean that was stunning that was my first week i think of podcasting for for locked on i was like wow oh. this is a lot of fun yeah. this is good <laughs> You know, I only have to do one episode a day. I wanted to do five a day. There was so much to talk about. And, uh, you know, here we are. We're, we're locked down. And, uh, you know, as we were recording this, we were maybe hoping that some news would peek through. It hasn't really, you know, some kind of sources saying that uh, the owners are kind of looking to start negotiating on this CBT number. I think that seems to be the hinge uh, for the conversations. And I think the the give from the player side will be this 14-team postseason. Um, so... There's a couple of takes. Listen, your Twitter feed has been fun the last few days. I've been tracking it closely, and I need to get your takes and bring them to life on this pod. So let's start with this um, CBA discussion. Just trying to you know summarize from your view where you think where you think things are at. What are the key bits, and when you think a deal gets done? That's hard to say, but no, yeah, of course. Look, I, I, and as everyone everyone listening to this probably follows me, and they know I'm not like some expert like. Like on, I don't have sources inside uh, the, these meetings that can tell me anything, but um, <laughs> what uh, what I can say for sure is I, I think it's gonna be a, a meet in the middle thing. I it seems like the, the 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 league really 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 wants fourteen team playoffs, and understandably so. Uh, in my ideal world, I kind of would want fourteen team playoffs, but I expect the MLB to expand to 32 teams because they're one of the only leagues that only has 30 and it would be great to add. There, there's plenty of markets out there that would love to have a professional baseball team, Miami included, because we don't have one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, having, having, it, it seems like upgrading to 32 teams could be something they, they'd look into in the future. Uh, and then as far as the, the competitive balance tax, the league, the, the player side wants it to start, at 238 next year, moving up incrementally to like 260 around there at the end of the deal. And the league just moved up on their offer to have it start at 228 and finish at 236 by the end of this deal. So it's a it's a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But the the one thing the player side has done very well throughout these negotiations is show no signs of budging on their their offer. Like they they really haven't like said like, hey, look, we're willing to go down on this. So there's no there's no saying whether they'll accept this deal or not or how much how more they'll have to creep into the middle of that CBT like number to to get to an agreement but i think that the players realize that they hold a very very valuable bargaining chip with that 14 team playoffs that they want but then every time i see a tweet saying yeah look we'll give you your 14 team playoffs with some dumb ass ghost win i just like <laughs> want to like blow my brains out like i can't Stupid. please don't give me a ghost win it's i actually like the idea of the 5 game first round but then daniel devivo from fish on the farm brought up a good point he's like you know five days is a lot for one team like the team that has the bye week or bye week i know i said bye week like football like the mm -hmm. bye series 
to have to rest for five. If the series goes five games, that's a lot of time off to the point where you could say it's actually rust versus rest. Like what, what is it? Is the team going to come back better or worse because of how much they had to rest? So it's, it's a, I I mean, the players are the ones offering, it, you know, so it seems like they don't have an issue with it. That's what I found interesting because it is a fair point, but the fact that the players are the ones offering a five game first round seems like they wouldn't mind having that much rest or at least a team that that's in first place wouldn't. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting topic and one that baseball hasn't really had to consider historically. You know, this would be a new yeah. thing where you have yeah. that amount of rest and what impact would it have? And I'm sure a lot of eyeballs would be on, you know, the number one seed, let's say, that rests for the first week. And next thing is they get knocked off by the the seventh seed, let's say. And next thing is all hell breaks loose. Like, oh, yeah. this is a sham. Yeah, oh, my God. Whatever. I don't know where, where where do you stand on the on the on the expanded playoffs? Like, what's your ideal number between twelve and fourteen? Do you think it's too much? Do you think it it ruins the value of a hundred sixty two game season? Because I I think I've been very loud about my take that it doesn't ruin it. Like, I think it makes the game a lot better. So I want I wonder I wonder where you stand on it. All right, then, guys. Just pausing the conversation here to let you know this show and this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for the pro and college hoops from all the latest odds totals player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs betonline it remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball no 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 betonline.net is your source for hockey boxing ufc and right to the olympic coverage and information head to the website today Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. It's bet online where the game starts. I am all in on fourteen. All in. Yeah, I was, right? I was all they in get, immediately. Like it's it's a like no brainer. Like I get it. I get it because people look at the NBA, right? Like the NBA is like the benchmark for these kind of things. And yeah, like the NBA allows sixteen teams, and they have a thirty-two team league. So exactly half the league gets in, and. Then you look at it and you got like eighth place teams that are like 20 games below 500 creeping in. And yeah, it sucks. I get it. That's true. Mm -hmm. But when you go back, it's not that hard to look at the standings by year in the MLB for the past 10 years. That seventh place team in each league that would be getting that extra spot, they're usually over 500 by two or three games. Yeah. I, that's and that's being nice because last year there was a 90 win team that was in seventh place and they didn't get in look winning in baseball is hard we're marlins fans we know this we've been watching them <laughs> stink for a while and and people were like should an 82 and 80 team really get a chance to play in the playoffs and i was like yeah yeah because you won more games than you lost in a 162 game season with injuries with weather with all these different things you prove that you are a more winning team than losing team that's the way records work that's why it's called a winning record I, yeah, I truly believe that I, I don't have a problem with it. And yes, the occasional 79-80 win team is going to get in there. But you know what? If they're really that bad, the team that's in second place should be able to sweep them like promptly. Like it shouldn't be an issue in, like this. You know, so I, I'm all for And of course, we all know it. Playoff baseball is the most entertaining product. To me, it's it's one of the more entertaining playoff sports, even considering NBA and NFL. Like the I could sit down and watch every game of the first round of the MLB playoffs. I can't do that for the NBA and sometimes the NFL, even the, the the matches between like the second place and seventh place team in the in the NFL, they're like forty to nothing by halftime. In baseball, you don't get that. It would be more entertaining. It would be, and that's the key difference with with baseball is actually the 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 fine line. It's such fine lines between really really good teams, ninety five wins to to eighty teams, particularly yeah. because in not a one off game, if it's a five game series and you're using what three or four of your starters. 
it really it completely changes the dynamic versus like NBA and, and NFL where you've got your starters right and those boys are riding every game and the the talent shows. Next thing is you're into you're into your depth, you're into your, your starters, you know, number four in the rotation. You know, any, anything can happen for sure in those series. They're they're entertaining. I'm with you. I mean, I think back to the 2020 year. How immense was that wild card day where you had a yeah. staggered start? What a, a game starting every hour or every it, two it's hours? Amazing. It's amazing. It was it was stunning. It was a stunning I, I, day. Basically. It's one of those things where people. I get it. People are complaining about it. People will. People are, listen. If there's one thing people on Twitter love to do, it's complain about something, and we're going to continue to do it. Me, I do the same thing, but. <laughs> It's one of those things where you'll watch that first round of the playoffs. You'll see a game go to the third game of the series, and it'll come down to a walk-off where an underdog wins it. And you're going to say, you know what? These 14-team playoffs are kind of sick. Like, this is awesome. I just mm. I just saw, uh, like, last year we would have seen Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the playoffs with Bo Bichette going up against uh, God knows who whatever second-place team was in that, in that playoffs. Like, you're telling me you didn't want to see that? A 90-win team, you're saying they didn't deserve a chance to play in the playoffs? 18 games over 500 isn't good enough for you. Like, come on, people. Like, I, I guarantee you, you'll you'll enjoy it. Like, it, it's it, it. I get it. I get the 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 not wanting. This is the best way to change the game, because you're including more markets. You're growing the game. You're you're giving people more of the best form of baseball. Like, there's no question about it. You know, like it's totally with to me. It's a no brainer. It really is a no brainer. Imagine, imagine last year Seattle ending their playoff drought against the White Sox and Toronto going up against the Astros, and you would have had the Yankees and Red Sox in the first round. MLB is salivating over how much money they would have made. They really would have. I mean, <clears throat> I couldn't have summed it up any better than how you've summarized that one on on the postseason. And I encourage everyone to listen into this and yeah. just sit back. I think this is the key bit when you look at what's on Twitter, what what people are pushing back on. The first one is, oh, it devalues the regular season 162. It's a nonsense. It doesn't. It doesn't it at doesn't. all. It, ke- it, really it keeps doesn't. it more entertaining for most of the league. So that's the first one. And it isn't the NBA and it isn't the NFL. The playoffs in the in baseball, baseball playoffs, are so much better matched than, than other sports. Of course, yes. They're miles more entertaining. They truly are. So let's... Let's move on from that one. I, I, there's a there was a massive news drop last week, and I really want to get your take on this one. Derek Jeter mutually parting ways with the Marlins, and I'm not convinced how mutual it was, but just give me your take on that one. All right, then, guys. Final U.S. ads with a British twist, and it is time to tell you our guys and our friends over at Built Bar. Oh, resolution season. Have you stuck with it? I don't know. We're into March now. But listen, I've been sticking to my resolutions. Eating right now is thanks to Bill Barr. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Here's the question, and I've been asking it I've been asking it multiple times. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bill Barr's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Yep, a protein-infused marshmallow. Fluffy, marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. If you like what you're hearing, get yourselves over to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, it's LOCKED15, to get 15% off your order. And this episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. And with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure? the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter does or basically orders the parts on their computer choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket save time and money when using rock auto it's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years rock auto prices are reliably low for every customer 
Get yourselves over to rockauto.com right now and see all parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Yeah, obviously I got a uh, shout out Craig Mish. He, he was a, he came on, on my space and he, he shed a lot of information on it and he was doing a media runs the entire day. Like he, you know, on the Dan Levitard show, his own podcast, obviously yeah. swings and Mishes. So I listened to it all and I tried to consume as much information as I can. And I came away from it with this. I don't think it's as black as black and white as, as it seems, right? Because there's two parties. It's as usual, we split into two parties. Most Marlin fans are on one, which is we think that what happened was, is that Jeter wanted to run things one way, right? And the way that was, is that Jeter wanted to spend a shut, like a ton of money and also hold on to prospects, you know, so he wanted it the Yankees way. He's like, just throw money at everything and keep all our top prospects. So no mm-hmm. trades. Okay. And and Bruce Sherman was kind of like, I don't know about that, buddy. Like, we, we don't have <laughs> unlimited money, but we do have really good prospects that we can trade. And and they were so I think that it's that side of the party believes that the Marlins, the way we currently are going to run is a balance of both. We are going to spend money, but within our bounds and we are going to trade make big trades for big name players that are ready to contend right now. And those people also believe, and look, Craig is the one that said it. So it's not me just, it's not belief. It's uh, coming from a very reputable source in Craig Mish that he believes that Bruce Sherman understands that we need to win in order to sell tickets in order to be a successful team. He doesn't think like, okay, I'll just run this team. Like, like not spend any money and I'll just start making money. That's been proven that it doesn't work in the history of the Marlins and the other side of it, which look, it's, it's, kind of would make sense to me too i wouldn't be surprised if either side is right but this other side is thinking hey jeter wanted to compete jeter wanted a little bit more money thrown into it you know you had that joel sherman report saying 10 to 15 million he wanted additional into the payroll after the lockout ended and supposedly you know the 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 brass of the marlins said no and that's why he stepped away it would also when you think about what a hyper competitive freak winner Jeter is in his head, right? Mm-hmm. It would make sense that Jeter wanted to win and add money and add players and that the ownership was like, Hey, look, we don't have that kind of money. We're in the middle of a very contentious uh, debate or discussion negotiations. Sorry about the CBA and all this stuff. So we're, we're not sure how much money we're going to be able to spend. And Jeter was like, you know what? I'm out of here. I can't, I don't want my name in front of something that I don't disagree with. I mean, I agree with. Mm-hmm. So there's those two sides. I find myself on the other side because the moves the Marlins made prior to the lockout all align with that, you know, mm-hmm. signing obviously Garcia, which it's not about whether you think it was a good signing or not. They gave the money out. And like Craig said, they had two offers out at the same time. And they would have signed both those guys in Starling Marte and obviously Garcia if they, if they, they could have. So they were willing to spend the money there. And then, yep. you know, obviously the trade for Joey Wendell, the trade for Jacob Stallings. So they're willing to part ways with some prospects. So I don't see where that other side of the story is coming from. It would make sense. It wouldn't shock me if during the lockout, Sherman's like heart and mind kind of changed and Kim Ang maybe is part of it. Obviously she plays a role with it. We just don't know which side she's on, you know, where maybe during the lockout, they said, Hey, look, things are about to get really ugly in these negotiations. Uh, money's about to get real tight around here. There's a good chance we don't get luxury tax money anymore. So maybe we can't be spending a ton of money. So I find myself on the other side. I do want to believe, and I do believe 
that when the lockout ends, they will go out and, and they will sign another great player or trade for another great player. I do not believe they're done. And that that's all because of the things that I hear from Craig, things I hear from, you know, other national reporters have said that we will be active after the lockout too. So now it's just a matter of time till this thing gets solved. But one last thing, the it didn't shock me necessarily. Actually, it did. It did shock me that he stepped down. Mm-hmm. I knew he had one year left on his deal. I thought he would see the whole thing through. And 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 then from there, we'd see what would happen. Because, look, this was the year, right? We've all been saying, yeah. like, hey, look, this is the year where you have to show me you're going to make the playoffs on a consistent basis. And if that would have happened, who's to know if he would have signed an, a, an extension? He was making a ton of money, $5 million a year. Hopefully that goes to another player like Anthony Bass. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, I, I, I thought he was going to see it through. But, you know, whatever. He, he's gone. Things move forward. Apparently, Bruce Sherman does love baseball, He, does, which a lot of owners don't. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's make that very clear. A lot of owners just like the money. Uh, Bruce Sherman, apparently, is a big Marlins fan, loves baseball, and wants to win. And he understands that for a market like Miami that's full of fair-weather fans, unlike us, you know, we'll watch this team game 160 when they're 30 games under 500 every year. Mm, best a game lot of the year, though. Won't. Yeah, right? When you get to see Asan Diaz playing, like, uh, right field and, and all that weird shit. But, uh <laughs> But you know that he understands they have to win, and that's the important thing. Now we'll just see how he applies that after the lockout. I'm with you. <clears throat> I'm not. I think you've the, the end bit there as well. You really summed it up nicely. I'm not shocked he's gone. It was the timing of him going for me. Yeah. It was the the bit where this was the plan. It as this is on plan for me in terms of what he laid out yeah. and the moves we were making. To me, was suggesting this is exactly what we're expecting. Year five, all in. This yeah. is it. This is what we built to. So to go now. That's the bit that was a bit of a head-scratcher for me, the timing of it, not the outcome. Um, so we'll wait and see, but it sounds to me like Kim's going to be given a little bit more uh, control or ownership or yeah, decision-making yeah. power. Obviously, so, yeah. you know, you had that story that we we all read and I was furious about that, you know, the Marlins were looking to trade for a big-name player before the lockout and that Jeter vetoed the trade. Mm-hmm. You know, Craig made it clear, hey, look, this would have come with a very costly tag, obviously, as it always is when you're trading for a star player. Mm. But make no doubt that Jeter vetoed this trade. Boy, oh boy, join us tomorrow for part two of this conversation with Kenny. It takes were made. And we're going to get into exactly which trade was nixed by Derek Jeter before he departed. And equally, we're also going to get into the Marlins pitching. Max Meyer, Sixto Sanchez. We're also going to get into the closing situation. What do the Marlins do to address that ninth inning? All tomorrow for you. Part two of the conversation with takes were made.